0: Before we share in this word together, I do want to say a special word of thanks to Reverend John Branning, who preached uh, last week for us and brought a faithful and good word uh, to us. As I was out, Sarah and I were uh, taking time. We visited kind of your home when you would come home from Brazil. They would do furlough for a year in Decatur, Georgia, and we actually stayed in one of the homes in Mission Haven, uh, where where Sarah kind of grew up as the age of five and fifth grade, and then tenth grade. They were in. South Carolina, so it was good to see family and and friends from her childhood and visit old restaurants and places. And I think the second day we were there, we walked through uh, one particular gardens place and then went to the Ponce Market and we went to uh, Crog City Market. The next day, we walked through uh, Botanical Gardens and also the zoo. Nobody's counting, 12,500 steps in five hours. At those two places. The next day, though, we got to go to Ikea. (laughs) 4,500 steps in less than two hours. You wouldn't think, if you stayed on the yellow brick road, you wouldn't do that kind of thing. But if you go off in every tangent, every nook and cranny, you can get in 45. I basically walked for my vacation is what I did. (laughs) It's a great time away. I know I'm in trouble. Uh, It's a great time away, and we thank you all for gifting that uh, to us. Um, over these weeks together, we're thinking about who we are as a church, how we'll make commitments anew, but also in our due denomination, just thinking a little bit more about how we define who we are. And I love, I love their reminders to us. We have said together as church family for decades plus now that we exist to build faithful disciples who serve Jesus Christ. But I love love the reminders through our new denominations that we're to be a people who build faithful disciples, and they give us kind of three imperatives there. And I want to talk about those three together over these weeks together, beginning by looking at Isaiah 6. What we see in Isaiah's experience is one who worships passionately, and that's to be the call in our lives as followers of Christ, we're to be a people who worship passionately passionately I've, I've seen the meme out there i've seen the picture that we make fun of and it can be any denomination this was of a presbyterian and this was the look and the caption underneath said a presbyterian caught up in the wonder and glory of worship i mean that was it you know and look i'm up here i see y'all that can be some of us on sunday mornings right it uh, doesn't mean there has to be movement, there certainly is in Scripture, doesn't mean there has to be amens, and, but there sure is biblically in worship, uh, but it needs to be, if we're worshiping the one who is dynamic, God, there needs to be a worship that is passionate. Uh, we can get passionate about a lot of things, and rightly so, God's given us so many good things that we're blessed with, we can be passionate about sports, Right? Uh, whether it's college football, college baseball, NFL. Uh, The first day of our vacation, I took Sarah to the Alabama-Auburn hockey game. Call me Mr. Romance is what (laughs) I am. But to watch those fans, I mean, it wasn't just... You got to be fanatical to walk into a room that's 52 degrees, right? To go into a hockey rink, and then they wore the colors that they were supposed. The home team wore their colors. The away team wore their colors. Sometimes we go to football. They even tell us not. They not only tell us what color to wear, but where to sit with the color, right? If you wear your powder blue here, you wear your maroon here, your black here, and sit in this. If I came here next week and said bow ties for the men over here, ties for y'all, just call you haul on me, right? But we do that. For sports. We even sing the songs. We, we can get passionate. We can get passionate about hobbies. Uh, men's club today, we were talking uh, hunting and fishing. Maybe your passion is gardening or your boat or uh, a particular hobby. Maybe it's, it's, it's music. I'm thinking back to a couple of years ago, my son, my oldest boy, is very passionate about a certain band and I think when he was 11, I drove him to Atlanta to see a concert of that band. It was closest they were coming. Drove him back. He slept in the back seat, got him home at 4 a.m. I'm still in trouble for that. But he was passionate. No, it was not air supply for people <laughs> who were. I took him to see another band. Uh, we could be passionate about music. We can be passionate about politics, TV shows, tech products. What we see here in Isaiah's experience. Um, is a passion. And it's a passion that's derived from from many things. The first thing is this. uh, Verse 3, really 1 through 3, he gets to see God. The reason we're passionate in our worship, in in our private times of worship, when we go to a worship event But especially when the church gathers and God inhabits the praises of his people, as we meet in this sacred space together, we encounter God. He shows up. And so, of course, we have to worship passionately. You just read, look at those, just how how do you even, if you're Isaiah, describe this? I saw the Lord. And I want to tell you about his robe and I want to tell you about the angels that were there and how they covered him. And, and then at one point later, f- smoke fills this experience and, and, and the place, it's not even right to, s- to say it shook. It, it, it trembled at his voice. Just a dynamic encounter with God. When we come to this place, We experience his presence. We've all been there. We've been there where maybe you've been in a big city and you experienced a skyscraper for the first time and you stand beside it or just in awe of how that was built or you've bumped into a celebrity. I was big into tennis in college and high school and I remember turning the corner at the sack and save at Starkville and bumped into Andre Agassi who was picking out Pop-Tarts and I didn't, I didn't know what to say. I was just awestruck. I was like, "Strawberry's good flavor." You know, that's basically. I, I remember sneaking. We were backstage at a concert. And bumped into. We literally bumped into Bob Dylan. I wanted to say, "You kind of look like a Hobbit," but I didn't say that. <laughs> but it was just awestruck. I remember hearing John Stroud, uh, where my neighbor, were before we came here in New Albany, talking one time that the the Manning boys were at Ole Miss, right? Eli and and Peyton and. And there was talk of, hey, let's go over and see the Manning. Somebody came up and said, hey, we need to go see the Manning boys. And John was like, I'm busy. That's that's fine. I don't need to see them. Oh, no. They're asking for you. They want to meet you. Four-year-old little Peyton. That was John's last year. Leading scorer in Ole Miss history in basketball. They're just awesome. I mean, a a celebrity like Peyton, I want to meet. You just get you walk into celebrity or, or a huge, you just have the, and then you encounter God himself. struck. I love the reaction of the boy in C.S. Lewis's fictional work, The Horse and His Boy, when he meets Aslan for the first time, the, the allegory of that story that Aslan is, represents Jesus Christ In the story, he's heard about Aslan, he's heard about the Christ figure, and when he finally meets him, here's what Lewis writes. That boy knew none of the stories of Aslan, not really. The son of the emperor over the sea, the king above all high kings in Narnia. But after one glance, he slipped out of his saddle and fell at the lion's feet. He could say nothing. Holy, holy, holy. We've heard it. I know we don't know these hymns well that we sang this morning, but they captured the way we are to be awestruck in the presence of God. He is holy. He is other. He is different and when we meet together we worship passionately because we bump into that reality we bump into the reality not just the angels here speaking of his holiness but also in the book of revelation they never stop saying it day and night holy 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 you don't find i've not found that triplet anywhere else in scripture there's so much we could say of god first john 4 8 he is love 1 John 1.14, Jesus came full of grace and truth, but what sung night and day is he is holy, he is other, he he is altogether righteous, he is awesome. And so we worship him passionately because of who he is. We encounter God, and as Isaiah says here, he's on the throne lifted up. If I'm going to parent like I need to parent, if I'm going to be a friend like I need to be a friend, if, I need, if I'm going to work like I need to work, if I'm going to get through this world with all the hurts and struggles of this world uh, that, that are in this world, it's right that we come together to worship and to remember he is on the throne. He is lifted up. We see God. Not only do we see God. But when we see God well, we're reminded also through Isaiah's account, you see it here in verse 5, we see ourselves. Whenever we rightly in God's word, in our study time, in our prayer life, but it's also in worship. Whenever we see God well, we can finally see ourselves well. And what does he say when he looks at himself in verse 5? It's a reminder of who he is. In light of his holiness, he sees his lack of holiness. I am going to read the translation uh, from the message. I know it's a paraphrase, but I think it's helpful here. Verse 5 Doom. It's doomsday. I'm as good as dead. Every word I've ever spoken is tainted, blasphemous even. As the people I live with talk the same way, using words that corrupt and desecrate, and here I've looked God in the face, the King god of the angel armies i am doomed when i rightly see him I, I rightly understand i don't have his holiness that i'm a sinner with unclean lips we rightly see ourselves we focus on god it gives clarity to how we see ourselves that he is holy and without his grace we are not but here's the good news What happens next for Isaiah after he makes that realization and confesses that and knows that in his heart that I am not holy? It isn't Isaiah who makes a mad dash to find a coal to put on his lips. When angels speak, it's the message or word of God. When angels act, it's at the leading of God. God sends a seraphim to grab those tongs to take that burning coal to put them on his lips lips, and he's forgiven by the grace of God in worship. A sinner, but we discover God loves us anyway. Passionate worship because we've encountered who he is. Passionate worship because we've seen ourselves. We know our unworthiness, and yet God comes to us, forgives us, and meets us. I love what Wesley, in one of his sermons on the church, he talks about the institution of the church about ordination he talks about that the church is not a building it's the people of God but then he begins to talk about what God wants to do in worship with the people of God and he talks about holiness of life and heart then when we meet God and rightly lift him up it's just like God even though as Carrie rightly said and it was in my notes It was, we don't come to get, but it's just like God and his goodness that we come to give our worship. He meets us there and he'll touch our lives. What part of your life today does God need to touch? For Isaiah, it was his lips. Maybe it's a hurt. Maybe it's a temptation. Maybe it's a struggle, but God in his goodness, when we rightly come together and lift him up, he's good to meet us at our point of need to touch us with whether it's forgiveness or hurt or a a relationship. How does he come to need? Because that's what he comes to do. As Linda prayed this morning, he comes to make us like his son. John Wesley used to quote John Chrysostom all the time, a fourth century church father. I've used this quote one other time, but I just love this reminder. He says, love does not regard uncomeliness. On this account, indeed, it is called love because it oftentimes has affection for an uncomely person. Thus also did Christ. He saw one who was uncomely. For comely I would not call her. Chris is rubbing it in. We're not pretty in our own lives. But he goes on to say that Jesus loved her and he makes her young without spot or wrinkle in worship we see god rightly but we also see ourselves rightly but it's just like god when we make our confession to him it's just like god when we rightly approach him to come and to touch whether it's our lips our hearts our hurts our relationship whatever that is god is rightly worshiped but it's just like him to give himself away last thing we see god we see ourselves, but God helps us to see others. Verse 8. What is it that God says? I have things that need to be done and I need someone to go. Who am I going to ask to go? And that's what we're going to be doing over the next two weeks is looking at how we are sent out. What are the things that we are to be about? Worshippers first, meeting with God first, but what does he send us out uh, to do? That's what we'll be doing the next two weeks. But here The prophet who just said, I'm doomed, I'm in big trouble, now he can say, here I am, send me. This past week while we were in Georgia, we we met with Martin Case, who was my pastor as a young child when I was confirmed, and then I worked with him for six years. He's turning 91 uh, this week. Uh, But I remember when I worked for him at Batesville, and he did this all the time. But I remember one specifically when we needed a young adult Bible study at the church. He came up to me in my office and said, Barry, who do you think we could get to do that? Who, 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 who's a young adult who would do that? Barry, who's a young adult who, who really, really loves the word? Who would that be? Barry, who's somebody who's young adult, loves the word? Uh, maybe he's had some seminary training, is six foot four, married to somebody named Sarah. Who would that be? Because Renee was right. I mean, that's how it had to happen. I'm the only one here. Who am I? Who are you going to send? It could have been comical. And maybe, we don't know. Maybe there was some tentativeness. But I also wonder, he had just had his lips touched and his sins forgiven. I wonder if his back, if he stood up straight in the presence of God and said, Me, send me. We're not worthy to be sent, but he makes us that way. He touches us, heals us, forgives us, and says, now go. How is it that you and I, whenever we meet him in his presence, it just can't be about this sacred hour or our devotional time or our prayer time or our Bible study? It's got to be a sending thing. We see God, we see ourselves, but then he gives us eyes to see those who are outside. That always happens. Uh, When we meet God rightly, he helps us to see the needs of the world. He helps us to see the needs of our neighbors. He helps us to see the unchurched differently. How is it over these weeks you and I will pray anew with the confidence of Isaiah? Send me. Lord, where, where will that be? In and through my church family's ministry, in and through my work, in and through my recreation, in and through my relationships. How would you send me? Because he is a sending God. How is it? We can better commit to being people who are passionate about worship, to gather together, to lift him up. How is it that you need to see the need that's in your life? Isaiah was confronted by that, and he brought it to the Lord. Is there anything you need to bring to him today? Or is there a healing that you need to bring? He is routinely, you see it here, I have seen it at this altar rail, I've seen it in these pews where God has been faithful to meet us and to heal us and to help us how is it that god is also setting our eyes on those that he would send us to we're going to sing how great thou art and we're going to sing verses one three and four and as we remember and sing through these verses as our response let's remember the seraphim as they praise god singing holy 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 Holy, remembering verse 3, especially of this hymn. Because Isaiah would prophesy the reason we can be cleansed, and really the reason we're sent for this good news, and he's going to prophesy it in chapters 50 through 55 there is going to be a lamb who will be led to a slaughter, that he will be pierced for our iniquities, he'll be crushed for our iniquities, he will be lifted up. So let's, let's sing this passionately in our worship. But also seeing what God can do in us, but also through us to the glory of Jesus Christ. Hymn thirty-two, verses one, three, and four. Let's stand.